Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Beep, boop, boop, beep. Beep, boop. Science and technology. (laughs) Welcome to Old Hollywood Realness. Beep, boop. (laughs) Welcome back. Beep, boop. Um, I'm Philip Estrana. I'm Kathleen Null. And the beep boop to you, Kathleen. How you doing? <laughs> beep good. How are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm pretty good. Oh my God. My week has been pure hell. It's just so much work. Work, 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 work. <laughs> Nothing like going in early and leaving late and then to, then doing work at home. <laughs> yeah, that's been me this week. Working this weekend. Yeah. yeah. So Yay, we work oh and then we podcast. It's worth capitalism. It. <laughs> Saving all of our pennies so we can be hundred heirs. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I actually am. I'm getting. I have all this work because I'm getting ready to go to China. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, Heck yeah. You know, annual sourcing trip. So this should be fun. So that'll be awesome. I think. It's, I got. I think it'll be cool. I've, I've oh, been on those. They're yeah. they're kind of yeah. fun. And I I hey, anytime you get to visit another place and other cultures, I think is pretty great totally. as an American. Was, so yes, and I have my phone all loaded up with um, downloaded movies to watch for future episodes of the podcast. <laughs> as one <so>. does. <laughs> but um, other than that i'm go- i'm pretty good i'm just super stressed out but yeah. still we can make it all happen that know. time before you travel when you just there's so much to think about and pack and prepare mm-hmm. yeah and i'm just like oh i should probably talk to my managers and let them know that i'm leaving the country for a week and a half yeah. <laughs> you know you all know. that crap informing anyway. we all go- yes. <laughs> we got to do it sometimes <laughs> well, anyhow uh, enough about work yes um we're here to talk about a movie oh my gosh um, yeah so we are rounding, wrapping up, rounding the corner, <laughs> t- tying up loose ends for the Bringing it home. <laughs> bringing it home for our sexy summer Shakespeare series mm-hmm. with the final episode, um, which is Forbidden Planet. Which I think that that was the entire soundtrack of this movie. Um, I found <laughs> it, was, it very soothing. I loved it. It, it was like I ASMR. It. Yes. <laughs> it was all like, wow, 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 Jimmy acted really weird as soon as that sound came on in the beginning. It was like, because it was really a low, like weird hum. And he was like, what? So apparently it registers something in Cat's ears where they were like, he was I'm a little sure. in distress. <laughs> I had to turn it down, actually. <laughs> it's a very, like, the soundtrack in this is really kind of interesting. Yeah. Like, it, um, it's an but it makes movie. the movie. I think that, mm-hmm. yeah, like I, it would definitely not be the same without it, for sure. No. Um, so let's see. This movie was is from 1956. Yes. It's directed by Fred M. Wilcox. Mm-hmm. It's from MGM in partnership, actually, with Disney on some of the um, animation sequences of it, which is pretty cool. Oh, my God. Amazing. I know. Um, the cast of this movie is Walter Pigeon plays Dr. Edward Morbius. Anne Francis plays Altera Alta Morbius. Mo- Morbius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not Mobius. Um, Leslie Nielsen, a young and strapping and gorgeous Leslie Nielsen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
I know. Uh, I mean, it's an. Uh, I know it's weird Dude. to hear it, but he was a smoking hot as and a young man. How strong was his hair game? Uh, I mean, amazing, especially toward well. the end. We got all upset, and it was getting loose. You're like, oh uh, goodness, goodness. <laughs> you're like, <"Excuse laughs> how's it supposed to watch any movies with you around? You know, <laughs> strong hair game. Love that fifties yes. like set your watch to it. Hair, mm. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes, a haircut you had a watch too. Oh, oh, crap. Um, so Leslie Nielsen plays Commander John J. Adams. Uh, Robbie the robot plays himself, Yay. which is nice that a prop can get credit and play himself at the same That's time. Right. Um, Warren Stevens plays Lieutenant Doc Ostrom. Jack Kelly plays Lieutenant Jerry Farman. Um, Rod Richard Anderson plays Chief Quinn, and Earl Holloman plays the cook. Um, I also want to give a quick shout out to um, Frankie Frankie Darrow as the guy who actually ran the Ro- Robbie the robot. Yeah, he was the little the the small dude inside the giant. So robot. awesome. So Kathleen, tell me all the things about this movie. Tell me how your history with this film. Um, believe it or not, this is actually, I, I, okay. I don't think I've ever, I don't have any memory of seeing this movie all the way through. And now I know why. However, um, this was a, this movie along with a few other old movies were part of like a VHS collection that were like hand, like, like copied from television um, oh, nice. that oh, my God, parents had. Like, we're, picture it, Houston, <laughs> 1984. Okay, like, <laughs> there she goes. <laughs> okay, and like people used to actually like you know the kids before the internet and all these things used to like time. Sometimes we had dual VCRs so that oh, we, we could, yeah, yeah. This was right? like this is standard. That's parent. how you knew you were high, you were high living when you had dual VCRs and you could copy mm-hmm. things from television. Like the world That's was right. yours, and so yes. we often did that. And I remember my mom who had beautiful handwriting because she used to be a school teacher. She had, they were like nicely labeled with her nice handwriting. And I remember one, like I can still see it now, Forbidden Planet. And then she had another tape right that was set next to it that was written the triple creature feature. And it was all three of the creature from the Black Lagoons that she had taped Aww. one day after another <laughs> on the local <laughs> television station. Did so, it still have the commercials or did you pause for um, the commercials? My mom was really good at like, she was like a freaking movie editor. She was really good at like zazzing that shit. I remember her like stop, like hanging out by the TV and waiting and stuff and getting so pissed if she missed something so yeah but i think there probably were a few commercials here and there but yeah that's awesome yeah but i don't but uh, so i remember that i do have like when i watched it this again for the for this podcast um i it brought back so many memories um but i don't remember actually like loving this movie to be honest because mm-hmm, it i mean yeah. let's face it it wasn't a kiss me kate it wasn't a singing in the rain and those were other movies that i was watching at that time so so i remember it sort of being on in the background and i i have this like weird love and comfort level for robbie the robot like i look at him like a teddy bear <laughs> i want to hug him yeah. so much i just he i want him to so hug funny. me and tell me everything's okay yeah. i like him like a person so that must come from like a early childhood thing about it but anyway that's my experience but what about you (laughs) um this movie i had seen i'm gonna say that i probably watched it during my um movie when i was at the video store Mm -hmm. my summer that i constantly reference where i was going through all the classic movies and i think i watched this one and this one kind of like kind of slipped by me i think it's i didn't um really register it too much in my memory Mm -hmm. banks um and um to be honest i don't think that i connected with it too much this time either yeah it's not and i am a sci-fi fan i mean i grew up watching um star trek next generation massive crush on mr um jonathan frakes from star trek the next 
generation. Uh, okay. Like he was. He, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> he was. In, yeah. He was in. He was one of my first crushes, and I was like, okay, number one. Okay. Yep. And, <laughs> um, and to your note, like about that, like um, I I love the Star Trek original series. I understand like that. Yeah. Level. So it's like yeah. it's not that it's not that there's just necessarily anything wrong with um sci-fi, and mm-hmm. this is the first sci-fi movie we're doing. That's which is right. Really cool. That's right. Yes. We're excited. So um so that's this is this is really cool. But like for me, it just didn't really. It wasn't something that registered for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it was mostly, you know, just because there wasn't enough of Altera. I was like, we need more of her. Right. She was, she was given the looks. She was. She was. She was was um, our only lady in the whole movie. Yes, she was. We were like, Um, "Um, more ladies, please. (laughs) Please. Um, And also, um, I did fail to mention that the costumes of of this movie, um, Helen Rose did all of Mm -hmm. her costumes, and then Walter Plunkett did all of the the balance of the costumes, which would be the uniforms and what have you. Um, So she was, she had a full Helen Rose wardrobe, and I think I kind of um, just, when I remember first watching it breeze past mm-hmm. that but on this viewing i was just like paying close attention to to miss Anne francis and was living for it, oh so. indeed um, I, it's, and, yeah i was gonna say it's was, funny my yeah. mom told me like I, when i mentioned we was, I was doing this movie she was like oh Anne francis she is so underestimated make sure you talk about her and i'm like oh we will we will <laughs> oh, <yeah>. don't <laughs> don't worry <laughs> yeah she was good there was a um yeah so this movie i I have some thoughts about this film, oh, but I don't want to be, I mean, I'm certainly don't want to be mean because there's some really great things about this mm-hmm. movie. And I think that there's just so much, um, I think this movie suffers from the fact that it, it is 1956. Mm-hmm. So, and it was one of the first big commercial kind of sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. you know, like that was not really like just like a B movie or something. It was treated kind of like a, a big blockbuster movie. And it was, you know, the, the, the studio stood behind it and mm-hmm. kind of like made a really big movie. They spent a lot of money making Robbie the robot. Like apparently I read that it was about quarter of a million dollars to build Robbie the robot. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, he was an expensive prop. Oh, sorry. 125,000. Sorry. Yeah. Not 250. So he was um, very expensive prop. And actually I was reading to that, the guy um, that Frank Darrow, Frankie Darrow was, um, fell over inside of it. Wow. Like he was inside of it and they were filming and he like fell over and, um, they fired him. <laughs> what? That sounds like yes. MGM for you. Um, They're like, get out. over it and they were just like, and it was so expensive. It was like the most expensive prop at the time. And, um, he was came back from lunch and apparently had like a few mu- few too many martinis. Oh uh, well, <laughs> and that's actually good reason. Yep. Sorry, but and they were just like, you need to get off those. That like yeah. apparently. So I'm like, so they were they were treating it very seriously. And I think what this movie suffers from to get back on my original subject was um, kind of down like I wanted to say mansplaining but like really kind of like explaining the science of everything Mm -hmm. like kind of like they went to the trouble of making all of the science to explain away a lot of stuff yeah and I feel like a lot of that I was just like it's kind of a bloated slow roll yeah Yeah. like it was so like kind of like it I was just like there's a I mean 
it's almost like if they're if they just like kind of been like that's the way it is just you know instead of explaining every single fact and like thing about this about the people and the aliens and all that stuff you're just like you know there's a thing of suspension of disbelief let's just do that like we can we can accept that there's some things that we don't understand and not to worry about it so much but there is just so many long scenes of just like them walking through like that underground layer with all the technology and I'm just like what am I watching um, you're, you're watching the, the proto Type to Star Wars, uh, New Hope. Very much That's so. What yeah, it is, yeah. You know? I mean, it's very clear that this movie um, informed a lot of science fiction to follow. Like, it's mm-hmm. like there's so much stuff, like the transporters and the the phasers and all of that from Star Trek, and then onto like you know yeah. the giant interior scenes that you could see in Star Wars. Dude, and stuff. even so Altera's amazing like l- little dresses. Those are like the the original series, like Uhura. I think they call it the scant dress. I'm just like mm. that is silhouette right there, even with the standing collar and that just kind of that look of like yep like it's oh yeah like there's that very wide influential kind of portrait collar mm-hmm. like kind of like boat neck with the standing kind of funnel collar yeah there's and just that like that yeah just even the mini skirt like i think at its base level when i was reading about like helen rose and the costumes is like they credit her with like sort of starting the the trend for the mini skirt from forbidden mm-hmm. island because before that that was so which is hard to believe like you mean there were never any mini skirts before Helen Rose did it and you know it's well, like that sort of thing I'm like too. This really queen the first time it was put on film yeah like the first time a mini skirt was put on film yeah which is kind of cool and it was only so the first so it, just to put it in perspective 10 years later is when Star Trek premiered on TV so this was in 56 and 66 is when yeah Star Trek actually it's crazy came. so that's pretty rad I mean yeah but this the mini skirt I did read that as well that the that the, this was the first time and they did a really great job oh like I, d- I think they're so and again like as a person as a pattern maker and a sort of technical <laughs> designer I'm like those fit her so good <laughs> like they fit so good they don't ride up they look really great like it's it's amazing how you know she even though they're like mini skirts and you're seeing her legs it it to me it looks so tasteful like there's never a time where they kick up and you see her behind or even when she's wearing the dresses that are kind of see-through they really mm-hmm. look so amazingly graceful and tasteful not vulgar at all um she has a very like tinkerbell vibe to her which i'm uh-huh. living for she kind of is like and she kind of has like kim cattrall face which i'm also living for and, <laughs> and then does. i noticed also too uh, our, our pal sydney sydney gileroff uh did the hair and sure that's why I'm like, because, and her hair is very distinctive to me. It's like, you can tell that like, even though it's like, oh, her hair is just like short and kind of curly in the front. So there was a lot of thought that went into that coiffure. Like even it, mm-hmm. like you can just, after what we know, it's like, all that's all I'm thinking. Like her makeup, her, like the contouring of her face, everything was like done in a way. And it's so beautifully, I mean, she's beautiful. And it, it really comes across as that like innocent ingenue, you know, and and uh and like kind of pure that sort of thing but but also very um you know that sort of like budding sexuality but she doesn't she's not really aware of it yeah and i think that this movie does have that sort of Mm -hmm. trope that we've heard about from other podcasters and stuff especially like our our pals over on the bechdel oh yeah our bechdel cast they talk about um that sort of born sexy yesterday yes yeah trope which she suffers from a little bit even though she wasn't born yesterday she's just sexy and unaware of it and doesn't understand that whole the concept of um you know sexuality right and there's that whole uh, like 
kind of just like a laughably uncomfortable scene where that there where the dude is like totally like mugging down on her and trying to seduce her and she's like completely unaware of the concept of kissing and stuff yeah and you're just like come on guys this is like you know stop it i know it's it, to me like there was there were definitely so many parts in it and i have to i have to admit i watched this movie once on the big screen last week at the uh, <laughs> okay at we've, so, we've didn't, you buried the lead oh, you need to oh, tell sorry. me all about so, that uh, well, okay so i was lucky from the beginning <laughs> i'm listening all right <laughs> let me sip my let me sip my coffee all right (laughs) (laughs) well um last when i was doing my research um last week i discovered that it happened to be playing uh last saturday at the um it's the oregon museum of science and industry i believe and they were having a sci-fi wait how perfect is that science and industry And they were premiering Forbidden Planet. And (laughs) turning uh, knobs and fixing things. (laughs) And adjusting them. (laughs) Yes. And so I was was really stoked. And um, for a cool eight bucks, uh, Mike and I went to go see Forbidden Planet. And I didn't know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting like it was basically like a mini IMAX theater. So like you went in and like all the seats were like stacked up where like they were so high in between each other that you you had like you had complete viewing and That's also rad. like mad vertigo just trying to get to your seat you're just like i feel like i'm gonna pitch myself <laughs> down uh, but you know it's all part of the adventure um but the screen was huge and it was perfect it was so great to see it because like they shut the doors or like no one's going in and out right now like it's it's done and so it's like super dark and the, the seats were comfortable and um it was just so immersive to see the movie like that and and the music like the music just gets in your soul you know um <laughs> but it was really neat to be in the there wasn't like a huge crowd which i loved but the people who were there it's the best when you go see movies like that because they're totally people who are like super respectful of going to a movie there are right. no cell phones are going off and even the yeah. kids are well behaved like it's people that are there who are like really like seriously respectful moviegoers yeah. and like um, no those i love those i love it because no one's no one's there by accident no no like, not at yeah. all like you you went out of your way to go see forbidden planet mm-hmm. at the museum so it was really great there were definitely a lot of people i would say who were like in their 60s and like maybe even 70s that were like my mom's age and i loved seeing that i was just like oh these are like my mom's people you know like <laughs> all the, all the sci-fi nerds from from back nice. in the day the ogs and then and then there were a couple of families and some friends that went in there and probably one of the like the funniest most unexpected moment which I was just like, I, this is why I was like, God damn it, I wish Philip was here. And I ended up sending you a text later. I was like, oh, you were here. So we're watching it. And you know the scene where, you know the scene where Leslie Nielsen, um, had, well, he has to confront Altera about um, uh, her clothes, you know, and he's, yeah. and uh, because, and at first when I watched that the first time around, I was like, oh, nice, you're slut shaming her. Like, this is, this yeah. is so terrible. Yeah. But then the second time around I saw it, I completely understood where he was coming from he was coming from a place of anxiety of just like like when he breaks down he's like i have a bunch of horny dudes who have no rules like who've been away haven't seen a woman in over a year and i have to control all of them and you are not helping you know so it's like put some clothes on bitch you know so like i get it now but at the time when she did i she i love when she addresses him she's like you know basically like what's wrong with my clothes i designed them myself and she says it very like like what's and exactly at that time I heard a air snap (laughs) from the far distance of the quiet IMAX theater and I was like yes (laughs) but it was just a perfect it would have been perfect if it was a tongue pop (laughs) I know but it was great because then the whole theater laughed (laughs) it was like so perfect (laughs) 
That reminds me. That reminds me of when I went to go see um back in the day in high school, me and my best friend Kirsten went to go see uh Shakespeare in Love in the theater. Oh, and we yeah? were like maybe like eight rows from the front or something, and there's this scene near the end of it where like um I think Gwyneth Paltrow is like it, I haven't seen the movie in a billion years, but um, oh. there's like apparently Gwyneth Paltrow's character has like a suitor or something, a guy who's gonna marry, who's like she's kind of betrothed to, and he like takes basically forces himself on her and kisses him, and then she immediately slaps him, <laughs> and me and my friend Kirsten in the theater both went ooh at the same time, and nobody else in the theater did, and it like it was just like it was just like a reaction we had to do, yeah. and like. And Everyone erupted in laughter because it was like, we totally went like full high school kid. Like, Dude, those are the like- best. <laughs> like everybody was so quiet and respectful in this movie and like even clapped at the end. But it was just that one, that one air snap at that perfect love moment. Love it. All we had was just one rogue air snap during the entire. This love song was like gas bitch. I know, like exactly like, yes, I did. What's wrong with that? You know, but I, you know, but to that point, I do love the way she says that line. She could have said it very mm-hmm. doughy eyed wherever she's like, what and that's i think that's why is as silly as her role was in a lot of ways she's supposed to represent somebody in a shakespeare you know character and i think that's where it's it's all about like getting the right person and saying things the right way because she took Mm -hmm. something that you could have totally just been like you suck and then but she didn't she took so many of those lines and was able to deliver them in a way where it was like like yeah she was she was the gamine. She was the one who didn't know, like, was innocent. But she was also, like, stood up for herself. She's like, why do I have to be a, why do I have to be ashamed? What did I do yeah. wrong? You know? And, like, mm-hmm. and I love that she genuinely gets mad about that. And that's why the commander kind of falls in love with her. Because, like, you really don't know. You really don't understand. Like, you're not doing this to be, you know, an attention getter. Like, you really just don't get it. And, um, yeah. That was something yeah. that was easier for me to understand the second time around seeing it, I have to say. Right, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, the one thing I do want to mention is that there's a lot just pulling a lot of the photos and stuff mm-hmm. um, for the movie and um, posting it on our Pinterest page. That's you right. can visit us on Pinterest, Old Hollywood Realness. And um, there were so many actual looks that didn't end up getting used, I know. which was interesting. There was like all these costume shots of like, or there's one of her in a full kind of like raincoat, kind of like a like a silver lame bodysuit yes. with like a raincoat and stuff. And I do remember reading an article, like in the preparation for this, reading an article that that was deemed too sexy yes so it ended up getting caught which cut which i was just like she's like fully covered and wearing like a she's wearing like a shower curtain trench coat i know i don't understand how this is deemed too sexy unless yep and and you know what i I think is ironic about that too is that like um that actually ended up being helen rose's and i believe Anne francis's favorite costume in the yeah, picture. it was like it's super, which is interesting. It's super Jetsons. Yeah, which I love. Well, I, uh, by the way, love the Jetsons. One oh. of my favorite, the favorite cartoons was the Jetsons. Yeah, so just putting that out there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I like it too. I also think because yeah, in my reading, I was looking that um, uh, Helen Rose had um, she had this sort of like thinking of the future of like, well, people, you know, if things progress in a positive way, people would be very beautiful and very fit. And then I feel like this is sort of the part of the 50s and coming in of like, and then if you're very fit as a woman, you'd want to show it off. <laughs> yes. and, um, but in a way, we have a point. I mean, look at how everybody wears yoga pants and really like athleisure. I guess if you think about mm-hmm, it, yeah. um, regardless of body shape, people wear that a lot today. Like we wear a lot of 
in a sense, back to the future too type clothing <laughs> today, every day. Like, I mean, I can say in my own place of work, and that's also probably because of the company culture, like people are, can wear running tights to work every day. And oh, yeah. that's and just that's, yeah. part of their jam. And they wear them like their pants. They don't cover the business or anything. They just wear them with little sassy tank tops and like, hey, yeah. corporate, you know? So I'm just saying like, it doesn't <laughs> like, we have in some ways gone that way of like, uh, the future being like maybe health or health fitness, health and con health conscious and being really into fitness that we would be wearing these like more skin tight clothes. And then, and then of course, like then covering it with like a clear raincoat, which again, it's just yeah. so awesome, I mean, you know, but that was, I guess her original vision no. was for her to wear more like form fitting. Like she would have had her in like LeMay bodysuits the whole time mm -hmm. if, if, but they wanted, I think they wanted her to be like, make it, pretty you know like make it come pretty. on make a hot and sexy show a gams you know like yeah. put some sparklies it's future you know like i don't it know like it, has, it feels like are, there's there a male are gaze a couple of looks just like that though. yeah there's like her first that look where she does get um the seducing scene yes it's like got that wonderful like kind of tunicky it's got the stand the standing like the boat neck collar with the standing with the standing collar and mm -hmm. it's all like kind of like beautifully placed like gold like metal sequins and like oversized discs and stuff and like a really cool kind of like space age pattern mm -hmm. which feels really nice and um you know then she's got like these sort of like tunicky looks that kind of like look feel very like I don't they feel very like Grecian but also like mini skirt Grecian in a way yes really cool. very like um, mythic oh you know what the other thing I noticed and I saw this on both and and this is something I've tend to dis I, I tend to see or have noted uh, before not so much in more modern science fiction but stuff that was done in like this t time and through the 70s because I'm about to start talking a lot about Star Wars <laughs> at least the original okay. tri the original trilogy of course I'm just the yes. holy grails of that not buckle up so because <laughs> there's so many connections to this and like direct inspiration and I actually pulled out. Not that anyone can see it, but you can. My um, Star Wars costumes book, um, the trilogy, Ooh. which is amazing. It's um, that's dope. It's this huge <laughs> coffee table sized book. It's just called Star Wars Costumes, the original trilogy, and it's got a beautiful picture of Carrie Fisher on the front with her gorgeous white oh. dress. Which, if if this isn't the, uh, like an Altera inspiration, then I'll eat my well, hat because there was it's a look amazing. that she had that has a hood, just like and that. I, it's like I'm living for her hoods. This is I'm you yes. know I'm, I'm a hood girl, so like I love. Love it i love that blue coat she even has on in the finale it's that's like the little short coat but it has that little built-in hood um mm -hmm. and i the cowl necks the little the draping at the shoulders the white the the the, the fact that she's wearing white again we've, we've talked about white in symbolism of like it can be positive or negative it can be foreboding it can be you know it, it is often used in a lot of these as like not just like virginal or ingenue but um i feel like at least when it, when when I think of what they how they used white in like Star Wars A New Hope, it's it has more of a regal quality to it. So, yeah. um, but but uh, yeah, I I love her looks. I love absolutely love the long dress that she um, ends up that Robbie ends up making her. But I just want to interject. We all know that it's obvious that Robbie is a straight man because when she gives him the instruction on what to make, I was picturing something way more fabulous. And he comes yes. out in this serviceable <laughs> white 
Grecian God. thing, and I'm like, yeah, you're a dude. Yeah, like you're yeah. just. Well, when it, well, know. when he was when he was like, because the first time I was watching it, and then she's like, Robbie, I need a new wardrobe. She's like, I need a new dress, and I need to make it tomorrow. And then she's like, and he's like, how many jewels do you want on it? And she's like, she's like, she's like rubies and emeralds and diamonds and all that. And he's like, I can make sixty dozen in two days. And you're like, okay. I was like, I was like, okay, I am buckling up for know, this gown. Right? And then she comes out, and I'm just like, bitch, that. What, I thought you said there was going to be jewels on this thing. Yeah. I was like, I was expecting full, like, queen of the night. Yes. You know, like, the way she described me. it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's just, just say wanna... Robbie was not feeling it. So, no, um, I just, yeah. Yeah. But, it was... but um, now, I, oh, I remember the, what I wanted to point a... out is one thing I, I did not see, and I watched this really close up. You do not see any top stitching of any kind on any of the clothes. Like, even her ties are like spaghetti ties. Everything mm-hmm. gives that... Qu- and it, to me, it's like, uh, again, as a, a nerd, um, this also, <laughs> to me, gives it a nuance in my mind of like, well, it's the future. So they don't... It, it implies like, how are these made? Maybe there's not sewing machines or maybe they um, don't need uh, to stitch hems. Maybe they're fused. To, you know, like, the fact yeah. that things... The clothes um, look like when they're void of any sort of stitching or finishing or buttons or hardware that kind of bring us back to reality or that it could be made it to me it it gives it that illusion of like well maybe you know in the future how would this have been made like did they have it it, it gives it that thing of like maybe robbie concocted it in his robot belly you know he doesn't have a sewing machine he just spit it out and so i think that that those little things like that to me are pretty cool um they are really cool yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that yes um like on the men's clothes uh, morbius's clothes like everything and which Mm -hmm. by the way he i think he has some his shirts with like the built-in collar tie thing and they look like they're made in almost like a silk shantung which again i love that they use that like nubby silky fabric you see that on his stuff and then uh even in like like the uh altera's coat her hooded coat at the end it and it's i love that sort of um textured it's like a textured silk kind of that's what i'm I'm assuming it's like a raw silk that they used but um which i i actually really appreciate that me too uh, from helen rose is that she didn't go full like just silver lambe on everything Mm -hmm. and also into to um um, walter plunkett's credit too he didn't do that on the um on the uniforms the uniforms weren't like the uniforms you know because you just immediately expect 1956 and sometimes even in the 60s you just expect everyone to look like metallic potholders yes like everybody's in full pothole Or like quilted like almost like oh my, well, my first thought is uh, my first thought is when um riff raff and magenta go back to the planet on um in uh, rocky horror picture oh, show when yeah. they're dressed in full like potholder you know, it's ridiculous and, and to me yeah that and that i think is uh that's to, that's like such a sign of like a low budget it's like we'll just make it shinier because you know yes. we don't have a lot of money because <laughs> everything in the future is shiny. exactly but then you have and i you're right like i love walter plunkett's take on it for first first of all it has such a strong like legit military feel like there's a mm-hmm. lot of like the yeah. little insignias and the things are done straight up like navy inspired which i think is yeah. really cool and really freaking makes sense because they're operating a ship so it's like i i love mm-hmm. that and i'm just like freaking star like star trek fucking star and trek that, right think, there yeah, and you know? i think that's exactly what i think that exactly is what they did is they mm-hmm. were like he they was like that super precursor to star trek because star trek had such a they built such a great job on building that world and yes. like what are the uniforms like literally going through because there's like there's so much like information on star trek mm-hmm. and because uh, i was an ultra nerd in high school hey. i like actually figured it's all found all that information and like it's like very they went through and like created an entire like 
world and like I mean, they, they have records and stuff and being like, okay, this is what a uniform would look like for every rank yes. of the military, of that of that military, in air quotes, you know, because yep. that's what they would do. And I'm just like, and, that's, and kind of, that's that. the kind of thing you have to do. Yeah. yeah. Like, I love Agreed. it. He did like a full breakdown of like, here's the insignias and the levels of what they would be. And and even it's just those little like, it, it was great. I mean, and and then his, his uniforms, they're all in that wool, I would assume like a wool gabardine or something that probably mm-hmm. would have been used in actual uniforms at that time. And I'm also thinking, yeah. I'm sure some of the people either worked in or on that movie were probably World War II vets. Like, if you think about it, they probably saw probably. actually actual war um, yeah. or Vietnam or I'm um, sorry, Korean War. Um, mm-hmm. But but I thought that uh, I thought it was so great. It, and then the fact that they played it serious, it, it really does pull you in. And uh, I, th- I thought and they look they look really amazing. Like, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The, the, I love the is it probably like Trapunto padding or something where they in that V shape. And um, I love the like the collar, the piped. It's like this collar piece, and it looks like it snaps like, yeah, at the, like the shoulder, back and shoulders. Those, yeah, like shoulder bits. Yeah, like those paladins. I can totally picture like giant snaps underneath it, like holding it down. But I love yeah. that because it's probably like it's such a perf- a perfect way to sort of finish off and button up the whole uniform you just put that on and then like um and it's got the insignias on it and i know again i love that we can nerd out like this is our nerd out episode you guys Um, (laughs) i love that the piping did you notice how the piping that goes around the shoulder piece it gets bigger at the center back neck and then thins out and is thin all the way around but it gets a little higher just at the back yeah and um again more nerd out i'm like i did see a little bit that bias twisting when i was watching it in high def and i love that there's like little there's this little thing of like not being perfect you know yes um but it's great i it, it again like i'm just like star wars star wars so much star wars influence and and uh, also too um also that's interesting to think about too is the um the the uniforms had they had a sort of like a casual uniform mm-hmm. and a bit of a dress yes. uniform so there were levels to it so they weren't wearing the same thing every single time yeah. there was like kind of their field uniforms which was um kind of a, a bit of like a coverall jumpsuit that had like um that was collarless but had a convertible like built-in kind of lapel thing yep. which again had epaulets with the little insignia patches on it so like there was they they did just a kind of an amazing job of like really building that kind of world of what they would wear which i think is something that you don't see a lot in kind of b movies or like kind of the less yep the lesser well that's mgm baby that's the thing is it's like this marriage of like i mean in a way i can see where this would make a huge bloated blockbuster that probably wouldn't do so great because if you think about where you're like okay mgm they're just like throwing shit at the wall to see what it sticks at this point because mm-hmm. they're like it's in the dying age of you know like we just got off the heels of kiss me kate i think of that too like yes. walter plunkett just did kiss me kate and all that jazz stuff like not actually all that jazz but you know what i mean like, not the movie not the, <laughs> but he it was doing that's like the range of this man you know yes. but but yes. for them to take on this as uh seeing as like oh well Science fiction is this upcoming genre. And also, too, you know, uh, the genre as far as, like, novels. Like, novels were getting, uh, like, in science fiction novels in the 1950s were hugely popular with teenagers. Mm-hmm. Particularly, teen- yeah. as they say, particularly teenage boys. I'm like, bitch, no. There were plenty of girls reading it. In fact, one of the greatest novelists at that time was a woman who wrote under a man's name. So, Ooh. yeah, which Walter Plunkett was a big fan of. Her name was um, uh, Andre Norton. And oh. she was this, like... 
unassuming librarian who became like the grand dam of, of science fiction writing, and uh, which is pretty amazing. Uh, but she wrote a lot of the, what were very popular novels during the 1950s with teenagers and stuff. And so he was, I, I was trying to find like what he was influenced by. And it looks like, I don't know if she necessarily had pictures in her books or how descriptive the costumes were, but he was a fan of her writing. So I wonder mm -hmm. how much that maybe helped influence his decisions with what he did for costumes and stuff like that. So, if, I mean, honestly, if he was reading it, she might have. There might have been even references of what kind of clothes they would be That's wearing. So, right. kind of helped build that exactly kind of thing for, to help shape give him, him a point of view. Yeah, because honestly, I think that this was important about these about really good core sort of sci-fi costumes mm -hmm. is that they come from a place of not night night like naivete you know yes. where there's just like someone's actually putting the thought into it as opposed to just being like well this looks pretty yeah you know like we're gonna put these space captains in something that looks interesting as opposed to like really going through and building like a uniform and understanding the military militaristic needs mm -hmm. of that sort of character no absolutely Which i think he does an amazing job in he does an um, amazing job and it they're just so good there is a yeah, and just I think and I think with that and the fact that people played it seriously, it mm -hmm. it just it, it has so many of the elements of the positive elements of to me of MGM and like the fact that they collaborated with Disney to make the id and and it's like oh that like it has and, this uh, yeah, you know, formula and all the sets yeah. and stuff it's just oh the, the sets you know the Who, sets um, are so good raise your hand if you want to live in Morbius's house his like California <laughs> future uh, yes, style it's very mid century like almost mid century to almost where it gets into a little bit of that um that like kind of atomic uh, like that atomic era kind yes. of chic which i love that atomic era chic. i it's love so it fun. i was just like it, i'm like so you're gonna build your house like this in palm springs right philip because uh -huh. uh, and i'm gonna be it's gonna be caftans galore. <laughs> i'm gonna have caftans i'm gonna wear caftans that have like photo real prints of like the atomic bomb explosion oh my god <laughs> you know, i'm living for but this but done in like cool colors so good <laughs> And then I'm gonna, have a, I'm gonna be wearing a beehive the whole time. Of course, of course. <laughs> you know. Oh, this old thing. <laughs> yeah, with crazy winged sunglasses, cat cat eye sunglasses, and some of those gorgeous little shoes that Altera has, like those little blue ones she has oh, at the end. Yes. Those little, I love like. I just love that even when she is wearing shoes, her shoes look futuristic and oh, yes. so good. But also kind of like oddly primitive in the yes. same way. She was always wearing like flats or sandals mm -hmm. or gladiators. You know, they were all very much like they weren't like big clunky, like kind of weird things. And, you know, in retrospect, looking at the shoe, all the clothes against that sort of like raincoat mm -hmm. number that she did have, it's like almost like that one didn't fit in with the rest of them. I can see that. that one, yeah didn't have kind of the same vibe as the rest of them, which were a little bit more understated. That one was a little almost like too Judy Jetson when the other ones had a bit of like kind of this interesting paired back. Well, they were softer. Like, they didn't have anything yes. hard. I think there's something very sort of like with the clear plastic. And then she had those gloves and everything's very pointy. Like, mm -hmm. whereas yes. everything else is very soft and pleated and curvy on her uh, in, mm -hmm. in, you know, comparison. So yeah, yeah they, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I, yeah, you're like, wh where was this costume? It, and yeah. it is kind of amazing. There was another one too that was beautiful. <laughs> it was like, it was black or dark brown. And she had like, it was like off, um, off center. Did you see that one with like all the, like almost like star beating on the side. And then it had a belt that like interrupted it and created like these, they looked like little space, like spaceships. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Dre dress. The, the little I mean, short it dress. Wasn't the, in the, it, but it wasn't in the movie. The though. black one? It was the one. With the little the cap black sleeves. One. And it's got like the, three things at the midriff yeah i don't yeah I don't it was think, in there for a hot minute 
Would she wear it in the movie? Mm-hmm. I, I could not remember seeing that in the film. And I trying to look at all the product, like the stills of the actual film and see you're, where it was. You're used. talking about the short one. And then like on one side, it has like a, like scattered sequins that are kind of like going to one side. And then, on, and there's like, yeah. yeah, there's, she doesn't wear it. For, she wears it for a few minutes, but it's more toward the, um, I'd say like mi- middle to late part of the film. And she's only in it for a bit, but that's actually one of my favorite looks because that is to me, like that is straight up Star Trek original series I mean, it's, and it's also so gorgeous so gorgeous like, it's so it fits her beautiful yeah it like she could probably step out in that today like you could probably go like to a nightclub in that and people oh would be like God, make it f- with this with the sandals and people would be like oh that is yeah. amazing you look really great i mean f- a full make that full length we're talking oh, like we're, we're on like red carpet it's so beautiful, so beautiful. And so like everyone be like oh my god that's so beautiful it's like old timey but forward thinking it's like you know mr blackwell would have a nervous break and and again like (laughs) yes she's showing leg but i guess for me as somebody as somebody who also loves swimwear like there's she's not showing any she's not showing any less that you would see if she was wearing a one-piece bathing suit or a Mm -hmm. leotard like and they're hers it's short but not that short like i'm looking at it now but also too you never see cleavage she's always wearing like high neck collars You, you barely even see like like she all of her sleeves like bare, like she even has like her, her arms are covered or upper arms you know mm-hmm. so she's not um i don't feel like she's she's not like lolita sexy you know like where you're no. just like oh girl like that's you know there's nothing vulgar about altera at all um no it's all about her it's all about her legs yeah like she was definitely hired for her legs if her legs <laughs> and i just want to say because it makes me um i just want to r.i.p carrie fisher because i love and she went she goes off about her, she's a big believer of what she calls space jewelry and i feel like oh, yeah. altera <laughs> brings the looks with her jewelry like yeah she her dresses will be very simple but then she accesses them with these gorgeous like cascading necklaces of just oh my these God, large yes. gems that you know if that was done in like i guess they're supposed to be like real like precious stones but even if those were mm-hmm. amber would are would or like peridot like they would look amazing and they have such a very artsy 50s look to that like that's very, very like like modern jewelry of the 50s but i i just even when i'm looking at her in that cute dress we were just discussing she's got these gorgeous like um uh bracelets like that they're mm-hmm. kind of clamped on her arms and then her great um earrings so yeah like i think the attention to detail with her jewelry was pretty fabulous and uh Most, not yes. something that you often like i think of like star trek or um the early star wars in comparison like there's you don't see a lot of embellishment or jewelry on the on the few females that you do see um so it's kind of cool to like you know like yeah she's got she's got some wicked space jewelry and mm-hmm. which uh that was something that um <laughs> carrie fisher was a big fire for in like the last few mo- like the last movie she was in and stuff and i i totally agree like especially on like the, with the costuming of the older actors i love that they they designed and did these beautiful like earrings and these like rap e- like wraps around their ears and like necklaces and stuff that really have like a star warsy regal feel that like something like a lady of that stature would wear you know like mm-hmm. because i think of like yeah like like you ever meet a you know a lady who's really made it? She's probably gonna be sporting some sweet jewelry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, the the thing that we haven't talked about yet is that this um, that this is kind of the reason this is in the Shakespeare series actually, oh, yeah. which is because it's kind of there's been a lot of we were reading a lot of um, articles about the fact that there's a, a many references to the Tempest mm-hmm. by William Shakespeare that this movie takes on, which I. I'm not as familiar with the Tempest as one should be. Um, 
but that's really up for debate if you want to be. Well, I've, I've, I've so. never, I've read several synopsises. I've never, and I've mm-hmm. in clips of the story. And so I, I do get the gist of the story. And yeah, they, they really, um, they take a lot, you know, that's what it's, that was sort of their thing of like, it's like a modern distillation of the Tempest. And mm-hmm. this idea that this man is uh, living um, on this, it's like a, a, a kind of a desert island, not a desert, deserted island or a place, a special place. And it's just no. him and his daughter. And um, they live, you know, sort of life is pure and perfect and all this. And, um, and then, you know, this, this outside force comes, you know, and, and these, these sailors come and they find him and, you know, one of them falls in love with his daughter. And so it's like his whole, mm. you know, that world is sort of um, kind of brought down in a sense. And uh, right. yeah. And there's the element, I think the main guy who lives on the island is a sorcerer. Yes, so there's an yes. element of magic, right. which is similar to how there's that, the, the, the id monster mm-hmm. is sort of the magic sort of thing, um, which is an interesting sort of parallel to that. So. Yeah, and sort of being a, a victim of your own, your own folly, kind of. There yeah. you go, okay. <laughs> Which is very clear and I'm, I'm with this movie. I'm really so. dealing, doing a terrible, terrible job paraphrasing this right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know, mean no disrespect. And if anything, like I, I would like to take a deeper dive into this story itself and see, you know, other adaptations or whatever. But, um, you know, at the time we were kind of planning to do this, we really were wanting to find, uh, we were trying to like, we had a handful of movies to choose from and we really Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that we covered ones that, you know, sort of were classics and also ones we hadn't seen before. And we, you know, and we know that there's several adaptations of like Romeo and Juliet and stuff like that. We yes. could have probably just done all Romeo and Juliet's or something, <laughs> Pretty much. but we, w- we wanted to kind of do, uh, you know, uh, try to bring a variety and at the same time, you know, do ones that we really love. And so when, for- yeah. when we learned that Forbidden Planet was based on the Tempest, we were just like, how perfect is this? this? And it'll be yeah. our first sci-fi movie. And I hope we do other science fiction movies. Oh my God, yeah. There's so many good ones. Um, it's so great. Like, I love that we're both like fans of different, of like Star Trek, but different Star Treks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I love the original series. I'm surprised. Like, I need to, I have, okay. So I have the original Batman series and I need the original series of Star Trek so I can just watch those like intermingled and back to back. Cause I love that mid sixties aesthetic <laughs> that is just like women be gorgeous. <laughs> women be gorgeous. Wigs on point. And I don't, I don't care what anyone says. People can make fun of them as much as you want. William Shatner is pretty cute in the original series. <laughs> He's hilarious. I kind of love him. <laughs> oh god but i'm more of a best. leonard nimoy i also think leonard nimoy is like weirdly like hot because he's you know <laughs> he's like you know he's the weird one i, I have a thing for weirdos so like yeah <laughs> duly noted uh, well no actually no it's not true i would think of like what's it's like if i were to say i had a type i guess it'd be funny <laughs> you know like it just make me laugh <laughs> okay well anyway. keep that in mind <laughs> Um, so I can talk about the, um, the story of yeah. this film. Let me do a quick recap on this. So full disclosure, everybody, I've been super busy at work and I haven't had time to really do, um, a, a proper plot. No so book I'm going to sort of, what? no book report this week. So I'm going to sort of like wing it and Kathleen's going to help That's right. because, <laughs> you know, teamwork makes the dream. That's work. right. Um, so basically this movie is about a, um, so it's in the future. <laughs> I'm like I'm like that kid that stands in front of class and just sort of makes it up as he goes along. Um, so it's in the future, and then there's a ship from Earth that's got like a little bit of a space team on it, um, that including including Leslie Nielsen mm-hmm. um, as who's the captain of the Frank whole Drebin ship. Frank Drebin. <laughs> 
Frank, Frank's Redman. <laughs> the guy, if you remember, he was in The Naked Gun, which is hard oh, to believe yes. because he's so I know. serious. Yeah. But and he looks so good. I know, right? Um, it's like it's hard to believe that like uh, it's him and Vincent Price. When Vincent Price was doing, you're like, wait You're a like, second. I'm so conflicted. <laughs> yeah. So they go to this new this planet. They've been sent to this planet by Earth, and they're like, okay, there's a space team. There's like a science team that ended up there. We haven't heard from them in a really long time. You got to go figure out what's going on. So they go there, and they um while right before they land, they get in contact with um the main dude, Doctor Mobius. Morbius. He's like he's like turn back. We don't want you here. All this stuff. We're fine. And he's like that. And so yeah. Um. So Leslie Nielsen, John, um, Commander John Adams is like, nope. That's not our. That's not our orders from Earth. We're still coming. Mm-hmm. So just deal with it. So he's so Morbius is like, well, can't guarantee your safety. And they're like, okay, that's ominous. Thank yeah. you. And then so <laughs> they land and they kind of land. And it's like kind of this weird deserty mm-hmm. kind of like rocky space. You know, it's like they're on the moon. Yeah. And so. But with oxygen. Then, um, mm, yum. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> just like mom used to make. And then um, and then they're met by Robbie the robot. And he come he's like zips yep. up and it's all he's all beep boop follow me and then so they jump into this little space cart and they zip over to Morbius's house and then Morbius is, explains what happened to the expedition mm-hmm. so and what happened was is that the expedition that he was with ended up all dying one by one by some unknown force and um, right. him and his wife were the only two survivors left um, and then his wife ended up dying later of natural causes mm-hmm. but they he they did end up having a daughter named Altera, played by Miss Anne Francis. Yep. And so they, but she's also somehow immune to any sort of issues and they haven't had any problems since everybody has died. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Robbie is sort of like a de facto kind of like, um, he's like an all purpose kind of robot. Yes. He gives them everything that they need. He makes food for them. He builds things. He fixes um, things. makes, uh, fixes things. He makes gowns. Yes. You know, which <laughs> like a dude would. No, okay. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I'd be like, okay, you need another pass on this, Arabi. I need more sequins. Thank <laughs> yeah. You. Um, he does make her space jewelry, which is pretty rad. Yeah, space, so. space. He gets the space jewelries. <laughs> and uh, so that that's how kind of how they keep things going. Yep. And so Morbius is like, everything's fine. And y'all can leave. And of course, um, Commander John Adams is like, um, I don't think so. So we're going to, that's not, we need further instructions. So they have to, it's really strange. They have to take apart their ship in order to communicate to Earth. Am I th- getting that right? There's like yeah. all these, like they're like hipping together weird parts from their ship to do other things, which I'm just like, y'all should just pack more stuff. Yeah. And then the next day, his uh, second in command, um, Adams, played by. Do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> sorry, Adams is the commander. Yes. And um, he finds his second in command, Farman, played by Jack Kelly, um, trying to seduce um, Altera. Mm-hmm. And it's a really uncomfortable scene because he's like, he's, he's like totally trying to trick her into kissing him mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And so then. Um, so Commander Adams is all like dismisses him and gets all pissed at him. And then then he does the whole slut shaming on Altera about, you know, if you weren't dressed this way and all that stuff. Yeah. And then so she's just like, fuck that dude. <laughs> yeah. And she... She goes back to her dad all mad, like, how yeah. dare he? She, yeah. She's all like, I'll show him. I'll wear a gown. <laughs> I'll cover all my bits. I know. I fully expected her to be in, like, a straight up, like, like fully covered, like, kind of Birkin. I know. Like, which, face <laughs> thing, which would have been like, how you like me now, bitch? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I wanted her to do that so bad, but uh, she didn't end up doing that. But anyway, so then that's uh, so that after she leaves, she gets all pissed, and then the next day, um, Commander Adams goes back to um, Morbius's house with um, she, he goes back with his um, little crew, mm-hmm. and they're um, they're standing, they're trying to find a Mister Doctor Morbius, but he's in his study. Yeah. And he's locked up in there. So then he, so then he leaves his other guys to wa- um, watch the door, mm-hmm. and then he goes and sees Altera, who's swimming seductively. Um, <laughs> yep. And then she gets out and she's puts on her gown, that her her revenge gown. Yes. And then he's like, oh, "Okay, you know, you're not such a bad chick anyway." And he's like, "That's when he explains. He's like, you know, I've got a whole crew of men, and they're, you know, they're horn dogs, and yeah. I'm just trying to protect." I've you just got to teach stuff. you some good old fashioned shame, so that you yeah. can protect yourself. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know, good Christian shame. Yes, yes. <laughs> because you haven't, you don't have that here on this ma- on this, this godforsaken and, planet. <laughs> you know. And then they, um, then one of her um, previously like docile tigers mm-hmm. come and starts like attacks he attacks them and then they shoot the tiger yep. and this is where i got a little confused where i was like why and then he's like don't sh-? he there's there's like this unspoken thing of like why that happened and i was like wait why did that happen well did they ever address that they that well that's what she was confused because he was basically gonna pounce on them and yeah which wouldn't have happened before well yeah that's because well that's where i I, watching this the second time around a lot of this made sense that is okay that is morbius's that's the id controlling like things start getting slowly getting more aggressive just like the Uh, first the first iteration of the id where like you hear that music and you see like the cameras like following they're like do you hear breathing do you hear you know and they're and it's going up and like something gets slightly damaged sorry i'm going over like i'm kind of you're right back back before the night before they something comes into the some invisible force comes into the ship and damages some of their stuff um, they were working on yeah and i think that's why they had to pull it out because then they had to go fix it so um anyway but but uh but yeah so like those little things start happening where it's like she's and she's like that's never happened before like if you know she's really like shocked that he's you know oh yeah you're right okay so i think you're right so the id so the so there's this sort of thing where like the force that's keeping everything docile Mm -hmm. is starting to break down especially around her because she's showing interest in the the cap in in the space team and the father is like this is part so it's like unspoken that the father is the force that's keeping yeah which you don't figure out until the end but so that's where it's like as a watcher you're like what is happening you know but but um Yeah. yeah and i think understanding again like the tempest with the whole the sorcery thing again i'm going back to the force <laughs> the force that is happening <laughs> but but yeah it's more than just the id monster like the id, i feel like the id monster that's the culmination of everything you know at, mm-hmm. of, of like that that extreme at the at the very end but but like uh but it, it starts with with little things like that you know little, yeah little aggra- then, like microaggressions as we like to call them yes. today <laughs> <laughs> yes so eventually so eventually morbius does come out mm-hmm. of his um so it comes out of his study. And then so um, so uh, Commander Adams and his team are and his buddy Ostro goes down and they mm-hmm. he then um, Morbius introduces them to Bitter Pinch, all of this technology yes. that has existed this entire time. Yeah. The Krell. So the, apparently there is a race of aliens, the Krell, who lived on this planet prior to their arrival. Half a million years of- ago. <laughs> millions and millions of years ago and then so they all have ended ended up dying but mm-hmm. the the 
but because the the technology is self-functioning or self self-sustaining mm-hmm. it was still there that entire time right. so when the team showed up it was all there and then he, uh, morbius and the team started like studying it and he eventually used this thing that ended up making his um it doubled his intellect permanently mm-hmm. so he had more inform he had more knowledge than the other t- members on his original team right and then all the then that's when everyone started kind of dying off from yes. his team violently like stuff. they talk about him getting ripped apart by this like yes. unseen force it wasn't like they died from disease or anything it was like violent but then that yeah and um it was yeah so that's yeah so that was sort of this thing it was kind of you at first you just assume that they all died that way but eventually you find out more and more that they died very very yeah and then so um that after the so then Adams and his buddy go back to the ship and they and because of their because of that first attack on the ship and the those sabotage and stuff that's when they set up like a perimeter around the ship mm-hmm. and all this stuff and um, then they something starts some unseen force then comes back and starts getting getting caught up in the um in this perimeter because it's like a laser perimeter because you know it's the future yeah and um, ends up become uh, and that perimeter doesn't really um work that well that's the word i was looking for (laughs) and he ends up killing a couple people and then they um and then it goes away for no reason and that's because the because morbius was asleep and woke up right and sort of thing so it's there's sort of like this thing where you notice that you becomes that this unseen force is connected to morbius somehow yeah and then so this is when Adams is like, okay, we got to get the fuck out of here. So then he goes back to um, Morbius's house and he tries to get Altera to leave with them. Mm-hmm. And um, then Ostro, his um, buddy, goes and sneaks away into and try to use the Krell educator. Yes. And then, which ends up killing him because there's just too much yeah. stuff happening in his brain all at once. Goes so <laughs> on, yes. So when he, with his last dying breath, he kind of reveals the entire, mm-hmm. um, you know, the entire crux of the situation so basically what he learns is that the monster that is happening is basically Morbius's id as we mentioned before so yeah. the whole and it's kind of reveals the whole thing that the Krell basically all of that technology created this created the, the ability for the Krell to manifest anything that they imagine right. which is led to basically, their demise basically yeah yes <laughs> so there so the krell created their own versions of the id mm-hmm. which then basically allowed each other to just which they just all which ended up running amok and killing mm-hmm. everybody and this is exactly what happened to, um, to morbius yeah. and which ended up killing everybody in his space team yeah. and then is now attacking the other the other um you know the new space mm-hmm. team which is interesting but, I, but he doesn't I, sorry to interject did, did we feel that like he knew that i felt like toward the end he no, didn't understand like he didn't know no, until the morbius, end and then he was tortured yeah. by it and morbius you know, was not aware that, his, that he this was, was happening it, yeah. he just assumed that he just assumed that there was something on the planet yeah. killing people but he didn't actually know it was himself yeah so, which is weird that he didn't have that information. Or maybe he was in deep Ostro denial. Was given it. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he could have been in deep denial as well. So then um, that then the monster starts attacking the house mm-hmm. and then um, Robbie the robot can't do anything because they want him to, they want him to kill the monster, but he, he can't. can't because of, you know, you know, because of that robot 
law where he can't he um, hurt down. human. He can't, yeah. can't, can't hurt people because it's actually technically Mobius and Morbius and all that stuff. So yeah. Then the monster ends up chasing them all the way into deep into the technology and ends up killing Morbius. Mm-hmm. And then because he because the monster killed himself, it was basically suicide. So then yes. it just sort of disappeared. But then right before Morbius dies, he gets um, Adams to put to get um set into motion the self-destruct mm-hmm. for the planet so then they have 24 hours to get out of dodge mm-hmm. and then they do and they take robbie and um altera and they just fly at a safe distance and the place just explodes yeah. and then it's sort of in- implied that um the that you know commander adams and altera will end up happily f- together forever in space yeah. <laughs> With little space children, (laughs) and Robbie taking care of them, and that's the end. And that's the end. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's so. It's a. It's a movie. No. I. I know. I. I, This is. This is one of those things. Like, I'm so glad I had time to watch this more than once because, and I probably will watch it again because. I do. I think so too. Yeah. I had. I'm not. I mean, I've been because I was busy a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hadn't had the opportunity to really sit down and watch it. I did get one viewing where I was like not doing anything else and really paying attention yeah. to it, which helped. And I think that that's. And if I had seen it on the big screen, I'm kind of jealous that you got to see it, it on the big screen because there's so much. Good. I love that kind of isolation yes. when you're in yeah. that, and it's so big you get to see. Yeah, more. this is definitely like any MGM movie. Just to be able to immerse mm. yourself in a large theater and see it on the big screen. That's what it was made for. So. Um, and the, yeah. the use of color and um, and again the props the special effects like when you see that whole world when the like when they first touch down and they open up and you see that like cloud of dust that's just coming across the horizon that's Robbie it's it's, yeah. it's huge it's beautiful um, and again that music like the, the music yeah. makes everything like it heightens it so much um, and I think to me it just as far as being it takes it out of being MGM very much like Mm -hmm. it doesn't have that epic orchestral score which they could have easily done look at star wars look at how they Mm -hmm. you know did a lot of stuff like that but they didn't they took it in a completely different to me like that which is just so it's like 50s beatnik bizarre music oh yeah it totally is it's very much like performance art music like it's what you expect like performance art to be and i was reading what's really sad is um Oh, first of all, I found a pretty cool little a documentary on Forbidden Planet on YouTube, and it was made definitely a, probably at least twenty years ago. And they had interviewed some of the um, some even some of the original people who worked on it, who probably are no longer around. But it was like a husband and wife couple who developed the music for Forbidden Planet. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was really cool. And they had pictures and and some footage of them working on it. And the the husband had passed away. The wife was still alive and talking about it and talking about that experience and how. It, the the exhaustive attention to detail like they really believed in what they were doing and and oh, um nice. and uh the, but what's really sad is that uh because they were not considered musicians if you notice it isn't even called music it's called like you know musical it's called it's called some weird name that they even call it as a credit they were not oh. eligible for oscar nomination <gasps> which you yeah isn't that crazy so they weren't That's even like they weren't even allowed like they weren't even considered and a lot of people argue that they should have at least been in the running because it was so groundbreaking and effective and 
I mean, yeah. to me, that's like awesome. At least you should have at least they should have at least been nominated. Um, yeah. So so I thought that was uh, pretty cool and really interesting. And then the documentary also uh, talked a lot about the um, how it later went on to influence so many other science fiction movies and and, and storylines, particularly as we talked about Star Wars and the original trilogy uh, that be episodes four through six that were made in the late seven <laughs> mid to late seventies and early eighties. Um, there's definitely a lot of influence around that. And when I was reading. Um, I, I tried to read a little bit of um, the of the Star Wars costume book because originally that the whole Star Wars series was especially was supposed to be a lot more like Flash Gordon, so like mm. bikinis and fl- or like you know no, like Flash and Dash and beep boop like you know as we talked about yeah. like more flashy showing a lot more skin and um, it was but then uh, um, sorry George Lucas um, Stevens they 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 really. Um, wanted it to have more of a feel of like a, a 1930s 40s action like they wanted and mm. and that again bringing in more of the military but i couldn't find any direct Im- like say where they were like oh yeah we were totally influenced by forbidden planet but it wasn't like cited in there i didn't see anything but i'm like come on you know come so on obvious. even when he's it's like so like even the part where he's like visualizing altera remember he's visualizing mm-hmm. his daughter yeah. does that not look like carrie fisher when she's like a it hologram totally of her like you know Help me, Obi-Wan. You're my only hope. I mean, please, you know? So, yeah. But um, I was also trying to think, like, there's another movie, and I I just remembered it. I don't know if you've ever seen – it's a sci-fi movie from the 70s called Logan's Run. And a copy of this movie was given me when I turned 30 because (laughs) apparently in the Hmm, storyline, nobody lives like once you turn 30, you like you have to let you basically die like you're like put out. And um, the female lead in that is straight up wearing like an Altera type dress. Like it's almost like this fabric is more looks almost like like 70s drapey spandex almost or like that knit. But um, and uh, but it's that same like short skirt, that same silhouette. And uh, she just has like blue eyeshadow and stuff, but it's it's totally that vibe and like I and his costumes as well. Um, nice. And then I, I was also wanted to point out. Um, did you okay? Do you know what a dancer's belt is? Oh yeah. So a, yeah. a lot of these. Uh, I know everything okay. that happens below. Oh, okay, the girl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so apparently the Forbidden Planet uniforms, um, and not just that, but a lot of early science fiction uniforms, in order to keep them have have that real like nice trim look at all times when people would move, um, these shirts that were tucked in were actually held in place with something called a dancer's belt, which was essentially like a crotch piece that would go from the mm-hmm. center front hem of the shirt to the center back and it would be buttoned in place and they could be very uncomfortable this is again why i want to underline it's very important to have a good relationship with your costumer or your fitter mm-hmm. because if they were fit properly and you had somebody who knew what they were doing they could make them less uncomfortable but um yes. because you know as you know anyone who's maybe worn a leotard or a bathing suit when the torso is too short <laughs> it can be a problem yes. and i can and on the man oh, what it does just... is it actually smooth it smooths <laughs> out the this, you know the uns- the, the bulges, bulges and the yeah. bits and this it basically just puts everything in the front where it needs to go in order to not be vulgar exactly basically. but also if you were to reach and move around your shirt doesn't hike up and then get blousy so it keeps everything mm-hmm. kind of trim and tight in the pants as well like it has yes. it has a dual feature um mm-hmm. that is something that i'm like hey cosplayers do you do you guys ever wear dancer belts <laughs> probably not anyway yeah. and also too, think about it from the th- that's also that's a carry forward through from 
the twenties and thirties. Right. They were, they make, they make sock garters that actually clip to your shirt tails. Mm-hmm. So you have a clip from your shirt tail through your pants all the way down to your socks. Yep. So that's what keeps those tuxedo shirts in and suit shirts in so that when they kind of like reach up and do things like that, it kind of like it blouses and then it le- immediately starts sliding, sliding back, back down. down. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, which is an interesting <laughs> yeah. way to live your life, but you know, cool. But yeah. It was, it was really interesting to just reading about that. Cause like, uh, even the costumes like lost in space, I'm sure mm-hmm. even I wouldn't be surprised with some of the early star Trek uniforms, because a lot of these, again, we're not talking like stretch fabric was, either non-existent or in its super infancy and not really being utilized as much in in costumes and film. They still used a lot more like wools and like finer fabrics, Mm -hmm. which let's face it, look amazing on film. So, um, you know, those are all being utilized. So you need a lot more little bits and bobs and garters and things in place to keep everything um, looking sort of futuristically beautifully fitted, um, you know, to create that illusion. Um, And I think it's what's also really cool too. I I went down the rabbit hole. I found some, which I can't find it again. It's some little, it was a thread of all these like sci-fi nerds, like making notes about making um, forbidden planet costumes, like doing the uniforms. Yes. And that's where I actually, I found out that um, that's where they were talking about Walter Plunkett and how he was a big fan of Andre Norton like people were kind of going back I heard this I heard that and that's when I was reading about the dancers belt stuff Um, but then a lot of people were also like what's comical is that you could practically play bingo with the usage of these uniforms in other like beefy like uh, be like sci-fi movies and TV shows because they showed up everywhere (laughs) for a while yeah that's what I was reading too that like all of this stuff was like recycled Robbie was recycled a hundred times so it was a lot of the hit the the uniform costumes the props yeah. the the ray guns and all that stuff is used over and over and I'm over surprised again, they weren't so. again I'm surprised they weren't used on extras in the new hope but I think um, su- maybe well <laughs> what I, I read a couple people were um I again I was like are these people maybe Philip knows on Facebook because I got it like people were like oh yeah I was at the costume auction in 1970 and I bought you know I was able to buy so-and-so's oh, uniform so cool. and so that was <laughs> and people were sharing like and then another person had a like had bought like a box of ephemera from uh, like and again this was back when they were just auctioning this shit off and if you think about it oops only been out for like 14 13 14 years so it wouldn't have been that I guess that big of a deal but like someone had found like a box mm-hmm. of all the like insignia like like a plan of the insignias and what they meant oh, and cool. it was like notes like Walter Plunkett notes um it was pretty it's pretty cool so yeah so That's I um, yeah so I, I just love that this um this movie you know, as as we mentioned in the beginning, it's it's a slow roll. Like it may not be for everybody's liking. It doesn't ha- bring the the eleganza and the singing and dancing that we normally gush about. Yes, but and I um, think that this one actually kind of set the tone for other movies too, because I think they were like, for it, sure, and it was a success in the film in in theaters. And then I think what they did, a lot of people did, was like, okay, this was good. Now let's do it one better. Like let's figure out how to yeah. do it better. Like, and I think this one kind of set the tone too to be like, okay, there is weird technology in the future, and maybe we don't have to super explain it anymore. People just accept it now, sort of thing, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool to have to do that in the future but you know what we're like i can't believe that we've been talking so long about this movie because there's so much it's just there's so much and i didn't think there would be honestly that much to speak about because i know right but i want to get to what was your favorite look in this film oh well i know that (laughs) well actually my favorite look and i know it comes off the heels of again initially what i i i 
initially what I felt was like slut shaming, but then in the end I, I got the premise was, but I love her long white dress. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely lovely. It looks like something I would straight up wear today. Like that looks like I'd wear that. Like it's, it, I love the tiny little knife pleats that are at the center front and center back of the waist, which kind of gives a, a bit of modesty to it. Like, you know, in, in like in the way it drapes. And um, I love the little like, the uh, little drapey sleeves that kind of have a Grecian feel yeah. and then it's got like the spaghetti tie in the front. So yeah, I just love it. I would, yeah, I totally would wear that. Yeah, Robbie and, does. Uh, okay. Robbie does make a well-fitting gown at the very least. He, that's the thing. It's like he, they, he doesn't really bring like, like the, the opulence that we were kind of hoping from yeah, the descri- the wonderful description that Anne Francis gives of this dress. But um, he does bring the space jewelry as a as an accompaniment, and so I'm I'm into that. I love that it's like I like that she wears like it's almost like some of those dresses that were more plain or white. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of like a, a showcase for these amazing necklaces yeah. and earrings. And this and, stuff. and that so look I'm, I'm is cool that, that look is straight up Princess Leia though. It's very it's straight up Princess Leia. Princess so Leia. I guess there's a part in my heart that I'm just like. <laughs> yes girl <laughs> yes girl, yes, girl. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because um <laughs> just speaking of that there's another there's another still production still that i found it was like her posing with robbie the robot and she's wearing a high neck full sleeve very long gown and it's covered mm-hmm. in sequins and rhinestones and it's got yes. like this one side star like kind of like star pattern and i wonder if maybe that was the original gown that they wanted to use for that scene but then they ended like up it. being like okay this doesn't really work for the scene it's like almost almost too garish for that scene because yeah. it is it's a it's a look like it's full it's, it's a like look. full dynasty and i'm living for it and it's yeah. got like giant rhinestones everywhere and i'm just like girls queen well, um, but it would have been very like, strange to have that conversation yeah. and that tiger scene in that gown well exactly so. and and i wonder like we were talking about the other look with the the silver lame cat suit with mm-hmm. the clear raincoat the, obviously if those i can see like okay if you if you if those looks were in the movie like not just one but both that would have maybe harmonized that a little bit more mm-hmm. like the futuristic stuff but um but that's the thing is it's like okay this is sort of like a two-part question what's your favorite costume in the movie what's your favorite costume designed for the movie yeah because it's because, interesting that you know this, <laughs> there's a variety there's one this is one of those few examples where there's a lot of move there's a lot of looks that don't get that didn't get used like a couple mm-hmm. of them but my favorite would be have to be her has sadly her her shame outfit that she gets <laughs> molested in because it's so oh, cute it's so good it's, it's got so like, sparkly and i love the strategically mm-hmm. placed like coins and stuff at the midriff and it's got like a little v right underneath her right yeah. underneath her boobs which is like kind of it pulls her waist in like really tiny her, it's, it it's, fits her so beautifully her figure looks gorgeous she's like a little tinkerbell yeah and the gorgeous. embellishment on it is so well designed mm-hmm. like whoever did the layout for this for this look did a very stellar job like just it's, it's so gorgeous. pretty it's got like little three-quarter length sleeves and these just like beautifully placed like giant oversized coin um you mm-hmm. know payettes and stuff and like the beads it's, it's very just spacey real. it is it looks sp- very, it's very spacey. spacey and it's something you could yeah. totally see like it this this one could have been like reused on an extra in star trek like the, the original oh series, for sure it's just yeah. so perfectly kind of it's very 60s forward even though it's yes. from the 50s you know it's just it's such a well and it's costume. interesting you mentioned that because that standing collar mm-hmm. we forget that that standing collar really was a that was a pretty um, strong style detail, like through the 
50s and the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, that wasn't just... Because sometimes I think about it being more, like, 60s or Star Trek. But, like, they were doing that early in the 50s. Because I've seen, like, more, like, vintage dresses where they had the standing collar. And then you'd have the matching jacket with the standing yeah. collar that would just nest around it. Like a, like a little rushing nesting doll. So, like, that was definitely... I guess... Is it a portrait call? Not really a portrait collar. Standing portrait collar. It's collar? like a standing what are we boat call neck this? or something. Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. kind of detail. It's very interesting, but um, it's it is flattering because it literally draws attention to your face. Yes. Yeah. It's like and then and then of course what a face because <laughs> then you're like my makeup and my hers on point. So it's it's gorgeous. Yeah. I that's an excellent choice, Philip. Yes. And then there's always the I mean I think that the the main costumes the the main. Uh, the main um, uniforms that Leslie Nielsen and his crew wear oh, for the, sure. with the shoulder pads and stuff, which I'm just like yeah. feeling, you know, they're like, really strong, really good, yeah. really, really good costumes. Yeah. So, and uh, oh, and special shout out again to to that lovely little coat that she wears at the very end with the hood. Oh, yeah, it has a very like fairy godmother kind of fairy look to it. I just I'm into it, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, there's a there's definitely a little bit of like. I, I, there's a Disney-esque to it. Yes. You know, agreed. and uh, I guess it's like, I think it makes me think of like, I don't even know if it's around anymore in Disneyland, but like Tomorrowland. Oh, yeah. The land of the 50s. La- it looks the like future. this. <laughs> the future. Um, it is like, you know, yeah. I do so, want to give special shout it. out to whoever made the production. There was, I found a still, a production still of them on the ship and it's clearly like I guess it must have been like it's it shows Leslie Nielsen and Francis and like the crew surrounded by the crew including like uh-huh. the the cook who was who was and, and he's holding like a pe- like a teeny tiny wedding cake and I'm oh. just like I am so glad whoever decided not oh. to include that scene because that it would have been super cheesy like at the very yeah. end been like and I got married too like it is like yeah. oh it would have been so like I hope I'm glad that the director was just like maybe not with that scene <laughs> exactly because it was yeah. it would have just been such a like a, such a weird button to put on the end of that movie <laughs> been like okay yeah we get it like it's implied like they're gonna end up together but you didn't have to be like and here's your cake but it's like you know it's like your home planet was just exploded that you've been living to over there for 20 years but you're getting married <laughs> like it would have been right? so well, weird ha- okay we have not we have not visited this joke in a while but yes. we have talked about this before especially in these like 1950s movies mm-hmm. where it's like they have to punctuate the end with, with a, marriage with a mar- whether with it a makes sense or yes. not or even better double wedding yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, there was no double wedding here. Yes, I'm going to have to uh, find that photo that. again and post it just because it's so odd <laughs> to see everybody like in the future. And then this random like kind of the cook character was such an interesting character because I was just like, yeah, really? They're going to have guys in paper hats in the future. Like, <laughs> well, and I just love that. Like the well, the first thing we see him do is like he sees the robot and he's like, is that a boy or a girl? Yeah. Like, really? Yes. Really? Really? So you want to fuck the robot? Is that it, what you're trying to figure out? I also <laughs> love that he's also like, um, he's also like, he's the drunk cook too, where he's like, can you make me yeah. whiskey? <laughs> he's like, oh, cookie. It's like, it was almost like a character, like kind of like shoehorned in from like a w- old Western where it's like, he's like, cookie's gonna make some grub, but he's got a little nip. And you're like, what is happening? <laughs> oh my goodness, God. All right. Uh, 
a special shout out to Lil Cookie. <laughs> oh my God. I, you know, it, I was just looking at that dress that you were talking about where she's with Robbie and it's like the full length. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like slid on one side, yes. but yeah, it's total like she is 50s full dynasty space. realness. <laughs> she is full dynasty realness, but you're right. Like that wouldn't have, I don't know if that necessarily, it, although it's gorgeous, it wouldn't have harmonized it just seems with out the of rest place. of what they decided. Yeah. 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 So, but they made it. So there you go. <laughs> I know. Oh, so cool. Yeah. This movie was great. It I'm was glad great. That it was this really was good. like our finale for the yeah. summer so, series. I hope everyone had a wonderful summer. Yeah. So, um, and we'll definitely be doing some more uh, space movies. Beep, beep. Oh, for sure. I love that this was our first one and it, it's perfect. And then, yeah, we'll definitely be doing more yeah. A's, B, A movie, B movie, whatever. Oh we love these kind I of can't things wait to because start, they're so inventive. Yeah, and I really can't wait to start digging into the B movies though because some of those are so good you know yes very very uh, underestimated Mm -hmm. like some of them are actually like better than A movies today so (laughs) it'll be fun especially some of the looks you're like I can't believe this is the B movie so um, (laughs) yeah (laughs) well guys um, is there anything else we want to talk about before we launch into the social media plugs (laughs) Uh, I don't know I think that's about it I just know I'm super excited about all the episodes we have have coming up for the rest of the year we just we yeah we're stoked you guys like we, we have a we have a great plan yes. and um and we can't wait to yes. dive in and i can't wait to watch <laughs> old movies on the flight to asia <laughs> oh my god and you the flight what? back <laughs> that's that's the plan that's it you know and then bring like a project like if you know you're not going to sleep i'm going to do this next time bring like a beating project yes. something you can sit there in your little cubby and like beat and sequin for hours mm-hmm. just you know as one does yeah but don't do what i did which is leave it on the flight <laughs> when, uh, no you didn't i had it was stringing sequins on the way home from asia and then i left like uh, my be- my bag of sequins and strings like on the plane so that was oh my fun. god you didn't get them back no but it was fine it was just strings it was i was i know but it was a bummer so pack up your shit people anyway you, you moving right pack. along <laughs> i know <laughs> A beaded fanny pack for my beating. Um, anyhow. Exactly. Cry me a river for that. All right. So. <laughs> so you can always join us over on social media. Um, Old Hollywood Realness on Instagram. OHR Podcast on Twitter. Old Hollywood Realness on Facebook. Um, you can email us if you have anything to follow up with. Old Hollywood Realness at gmail.com. Um, so then you can also, I encourage everyone to, uh, join our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group. It's called the old Hollywood OHR podcast darlings. And, um, it's a great place to meet other listeners of the show who are interested in old Hollywood and love talking about them. So it's a good time, good place to, you know, to share stories, to ask questions. You know, it's really awesome. We're getting, um, we have some really cool people over there that are adding some content, which is fun. It's nice to actually see everybody talking about their, their experiences and stuff. So it's really fun. And if you're, and also there's just this Facebook page too, the, um, where you can, where I'll post all the photos and stuff. So that's just Mm -hmm. old Hollywood realness. Um, thank you to Hal Lublin for giving us his vocal talents for the opening of the podcast as always. Um, and I want to thank Kathleen for being my (laughs) co-host. thank philip for being my co-host yes and thank you for listening to old hollywood realness beep boop beep boop beep boop bye